Don't forget to listen to The Last Post. Post. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The Last Post is a daily (laughs) podcast uh, that is podcast. There is an alternate universe, Alice Fraser, who hosts this satirical news podcast, and she talks about all the news that's happening over there. This is a great getaway. Heisenberg Maneuver. Half a glass of water. 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 Audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to the final Bugle ever to be recorded in a Britain that is still part of the European Union. We are recording on what is conventionally known as Thursday the 30th of January in the year 2020, known in Britain as New Brexillenium Eve. Because tomorrow at 11pm human British time, the Brex clock will strike Brex, and it will become the first of Brexury in the year Brex 1000 and Brexity Brex. Why not just the year Brexit 1, you ask? Well, because Brexit is not beginning now. What is happening is that Brexit is merely revealing an immutable reality of Brexpeditiousness. <laughs> it is returning Britain to what it always was, hundreds, thousands, millions, billions of years ago, a land of purest Brexiness, humbly lived where within upon by the ancient tribe of the Brexivantes, who <laughs> tilled the soil with their earthic Brexit wisdom. It's happening, people. It, it, it is It is happening. There's, there's no way around it. And joining me to discuss this appropriately enough are two people who have absolutely no business being in this country anymore. (laughs) (laughs) From uh, New Zealand, James Nokise, welcome. Welcome. There were more X's in that opening than in porn. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, also uh, from the Southern Hemisphere, Alice Fraser. Bring me my arrows of... Never mind. Uh, I'm back. I'm here. Hello. Well, well, are you you both excited about about being here for this, this... Historic moment in which nothing will happen and nothing much will change, apart from slight gruntlement on one side and deep smugness on the other. I mean, yeah, I mean look, it's, as, a, as a colonial uh, from the colonies, it's always fun to watch it burn. <laughs> Let it go. It was ages ago. I, I was so excited when I found out that Brexit was going to actually happen, and then I realised that what it did not mean was that people would shut the f- up about Brexit. <laughs> like, uh, if if I would be so happy for Brexit to happen, if it meant that I never had to make another joke about Brexit, that would be like that's how easily I would be sold on the idea. Yeah, because I don't care if your country goes to the dogs. It's fine. Yeah. Do you find people in Australia are people in Australia excited about Brexit? Because people in New Zealand are like there's some people who are like, Yeah, we've won, Brexit has happened. It's like you have no skin in this game, bro. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh yeah. I mean, it's like the people in, you know, Leeds who have r- real strong opinions about the bushfires in Australia. Everyone seems to feel like they've got I mean, I, I guess we might get to come over more. <laughs> right? Well p- possible. I mean the thing the thing with well, New Zealand in particular is essentially that has been our, our our test tube experiment, essentially, because you know it's essentially that's true. I do geographically roughly the same, few more mountains. <laughs> I, I do worry that yeah. there are people in Britain who genuinely believe that trade deals with New Zealand <laughs> are going to replace uh, the the European whole. Um, I'm, I, I hate to break it to, to British listeners, but the New Zealand economy is it ain't saving anyone. Right. <laughs> James Cameron lives there though, so maybe he. If you do trade deals with James Cameron, right, yes. and Peter Jackson, yeah, well, they might be able to bail you out. Well, I think that's the way forward, really. I mean, we'll, 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 the show hasn't officially started yet, but I mean, um, I think we're going to be tra- trading with 
high net wealth individuals. <laughs> is, that the, is, that, is that the right term? I forget. Um, I mean, you know, even though obviously I am one. Um, um, as I said, this is the last day of the old calendar. Uh, history, of course, will be all rendered irrelevant uh, after uh, after tomorrow compared with the history that is about to unfold before us, like the used handkerchief of a tuberculotic nicotine addict. Um, <laughs> but let's look back to this day in history on this day in 1661, Oliver Cromwell was executed. Um, <laughs> nothing unusual there, other than the fact that he'd already been executed uh, by the Grim Reaper um, more than two years previously. <laughs> the Grim Reaper, of course, a harsh judge with no appeals process. Uh, he was posthumously executed and um, lopped up and I think sent around the country to... Yeah, then they played football people. with his head and then uh, allegedly the his head was buried in my college right. uh, at the university I went to uh, and then they tried to sell the head back to his family and they thought it was a fake but then someone did a PhD on it and it turned out it was his head. Right. The end. But I had a friend, <laughs> I had a friend who uh, was Irish. That was basically just the plot of a Dan Brown novel, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> Except for the bit where my friend, uh, who was Irish, used to go around the college and pee in corners, hoping that he was peeing on Cromwell's head because they wouldn't say where it was buried. Oh, right. I see. <laughs> Not as part of an official tour guide. Tour kind of. <laughs> but he could say with sort of 90% certainty that he had pissed on Cromwell's head because right. he'd pissed everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to cover your bases. Um <laughs> The reason uh, that Cromwell was executed posthumously on the 30th of January is because on the 30th of January 1649, Charles I, King of England, was executed, um, uh, well, a multiple execution simultaneously by the Grim Reaper uh, Parliament and an anonymous executioner whose name we do not know, as is so often the case with anonymous people. But latest <laughs> historical research suggests that the fatal blow could have been the first instance of the use of the team mascot. Um, Oliver Cromwell <laughs> was aware that... Uh, Monaco bonce lopping could be not only physically divisive for uh, Charles I, Charlie chopped up himself to a frankly irreparable degree, but uh, also for the country as a whole. So Cromwell decided to try to make the event appeal to kids, neutrals and King Acution sceptics by having the executioner dressed up in a funny costume. Hence, Alfie the Axolotl, an axe-wielding <laughs> salamander with big goofy eyes who brought some much-needed levity and crowd work to what might otherwise have been a somewhat gruesome occasion. Uh, thus uh, was the mascot genre established with, uh, and uh, he laid on what have become the classic tropes of masketeers uh, the world over, getting different parts of the crowd on Whitehall that... Uh, cold winter's morning to see who could do the loudest cheer, then some slapstick deliberate misses uh, with the axe, um, forgetting to use his axe and using a giant carrot instead. And then when the final blow was struck, lifting up not the severed head of the king, but a pumpkin, then a pantomime horse's head, then a rhinoceros's skull before finally lifting up uh, King Charles's uh, noggin whilst cheekily stealing the crown and tucking it in uh, his uh, oversized trouser pockets before waving in a I'm kidding of course style to the now uproariously laughing crowd, then firing commemorative items of clothing into the crowd from a doublet cannon. Um, certainly uh, helped defuse the tension and set a, a, a grand tradition. But we don't hear that about Cromwell. It's all the negative stuff, isn't it? All the banning Christmas and the well, stuff James was touching upon there that, uh, well, reverberates somewhat to this day. Are they going to execute anyone for Brexit and then, and then play football well, with their head? Is that, I mean, is metaphorically, that definitely, yes. Um, uh, whether it, it actually happens in reality, I guess. I mean, times have changed. I mean, the Conservative the, Party has sort of a tradition of doing strange things with heads uh, in ab- celebration. Well, yeah, I mean, ab- absolutely. Uh, I'm asking if your prime minister's going to f a pig this week. That's uh, what I'm asking. Well, Andy. I mean, 
I mean, did, when in Rome. I read the other day uh, in terms of Brexit and figuring out these trade deals being quite an urgent thing. That, and I don't know how factual this is because I read it in a uh, news article, so we know how reliable those can be. But that Britain basically the only thing it provides enough of to sustain its own population is peas. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be like peas and whiskey, but whiskey Scotland, and we know they're on the way out. Right. So it's just just peas. Just peas. <laughs> well, yeah, you can build an army marches on its stomach, and peas actually, you can if you've got frozen <laughs> yeah. ones, it can actually it forms a kind of rolling conveyor belt. Since yep. if you lay them out right. Yep, that's it. Yep. I mean, again, I'm I'm probably lying because I'm reading off a news source. That's but- fine. You know, this is the age we live in. On this day in 1820, Edward Bransfield sighted the Trinity Peninsula and claimed the discovery of Antarctica, uh, which is less impressive than it sounds, because, of course, it was much, much bigger then and easier to spot. (laughs) Um, Some claim that uh, Bransfield was the first to see Antarctica. Others say it was a Russian exploration celeb, uh, Fabian Gottlieb von Bellingshausen, who apparently uh, espied the great big icy bastard a couple of days before Bransfield. But um, do we trust those Russians? I mean, they basically hacked that whole f***ing continent 200 years ago. Um, as always, some sections of the Bugle are going straight in the bin. This week, a Bugle travel guide to Europe. That is just in the bin. No longer needed. In the bin. And uh, are you a reincarnated pharaoh? Uh, a special uh, supplement this week to help you work out whether or not you are a reincarnated pharaoh. Answer these questions. Are you good at hide-and-seek? And I mean very, very, very good at hide-and-seek? Then, yes, you, you could be a pharaoh. And question two, when a beloved childhood pet died, did you A, bury it solemnly in the garden, B, chuck it in the bin, C, cook it and eat it, D, build it a f***ing great mausoleum, or E, instantly deify it? Uh, If it's D and or E, you could be a pharaoh. Top story this week. Well, we've already done done some of the top story this week. It, it is Brexit. Here in Britain, we are about to go through a psychological milestone. milestone <laughs> sorry. Um, well, let's hold back judgment on which of those was the misprint and which was the correct version for the next, well, let's say, 100 years. Then we'll re-record this episode with the benefit of hindsight. Um, uh, yes, tomorrow, tomorrow, 11pm, we are leaving the European Union in uh, everything apart from practicality, um, which will take a, li- a little while longer. England, Britain, sorry, Britain, will be free to carve out a new distinctively Brit- English, Brit- British um, identity around the country. We'll be hanging up the invisible bunting in our souls <laughs> and uh, a new dawn will dawn, as dawns so often do. Um, very exciting times. For too long, this nation has been crumple crushed under the oppressive quadruplic European yoke of peace, stability, cooperation and prosperity. But no more. We will be free as, uh, uh, well, I mean, unwelcome outsiders as you are about to become tomorrow. Um, but, I mean, how, how are you going to mark mark the occasion? Well, I'm just going to jetpack off the nation. Right. That's my plan is okay. just to strap some rockets to my back and shoot myself at the moon and right. see how far I get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a uh, panorama on. Uh, right. And probably a double macchiato. Right. Uh, and then uh, probably just eat some eat some pizza. Right. Uh, enjoy that while it's still going. Well, those are all jailable offences, essentially. <laughs> I know. That's why I got, I'm going to get it out before. Right. Before, and then, of course, come Saturday, yeah. uh, eggs, beans, and toast. And peas. All, and peas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never tried it with peas, but I better get, I better get used to it now. Yeah. Well, peas are the beans of the British now. Everything is the... <laughs> 
this piece of the everything. <laughs> it's very, very philosophical. I mean, it, the thing is, whatever it was that people wanted Brexit for, and frankly, no one can remember. No one really knows. Uh, there's a you know, vague. I mean, there's probably some good reasons, some less good reasons, same as there were on both those. But I'm pretty sure what it was was the freedom to flog our national infrastructure off to the Chinese instead of the French, and I mean, at least that that we will that we will definitely have. So we will uh, touch on later. We've got the increased freedom. Yes. Yeah. Huawei fives all round. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, uh, who are we? Um, is well, who are we? I mean, that's <laughs> a very opposite question at the moment. Uh, we'll be enjoying increased freedom this time next week, uh, the increased freedom of having fewer rights, uh, more restricted opportunities for work, travel, study, fewer chances to vote, and less representation for those votes. And all the time that we used to waste making those decisions is now freed up uh, to do free things and be more productive freely. Uh, traditional British things like building ourselves an exoskeleton of wattle and daub, dying of scurvy, witch hunting, druidism, and freestyle henging. Europe has... But a, a touchingly fond farewell, um, the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, quoted the great British 19th century novelist George Eliot, who wrote, Only in the agony of parting do we look into the depths of love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was George Eliot. It might have been George Benson. I'm not sure. I mean, it's either 19th century literature or 1980s soul, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of sentence. What is it like how Nigel Farage was quoting the great 20th century... Uh, novelist the Spice Girls uh, <laughs> during his campaign going I'll tell you what I want what I really really want yeah. I want a zig zig yeah. and everyone went what does that mean he went zig zig yeah. and people went let's vote for that <laughs> and that's why we're here Von der Leyen continued we will always love you and we will never be far away I mean that sounds a little bit stalky a lot stalky yeah I mean I, I, it, I feel like it's a generous move on behalf of the of the EU to leave the door, as it were, metaphorically open for the return of, of Britain into the warm embrace of Europe. Uh, but I have the feeling that it's being said in a spirit of kind of smug chuckling behind the, like, when you go, it's, it's more like when you come crawling back. <laughs> With your laundry. Like when you run away from home when you're six and your parents are like, well, we'll keep the, you know, we'll set the table for you. <laughs> Just, it, it has that slight vibe to it. Right, but then many kids that run away from home when they're six end up becoming you know, hugely successful <laughs> global entrepreneurs. So, I mean, that may be a lie, maybe a fact. I mean, knows? look, it, what is what is done is what's done, right? And if by what's done you mean what has now just begun an yep. incredibly long process that we'll be arguing about for the next thirty years. Yeah. Uh, I am interested to see how it plays out. As somebody who has literally no skin in the game, all, all that can happen here is that that. Uh, my money gets stronger against your money. Right. Like <laughs> money top trumps, that's basically. <laughs> but what Giver Hofstadt said, this vote is not an adieu. The vote is only, in my opinion, an au revoir, to which Nigel Farage says, not if we voir you first. <laughs> um, he, uh, Leo Varadkar, the Irish Tisuk, said, uh, we'll say goodbye to an old friend embarking on an adventure. We hope it works out for them, but if it does not... There will always be a seat kept for them at the table. But, again, that just sounds like it's setting up a f***ing awkward family dinner, doesn't it? <laughs> or a wake. <laughs> yes. There's something menacing about Irish compliments sometimes, isn't it? Like you can sort of hear the accent. I'm not going to do the accent because <laughs> I want to live. <laughs> but you can, you know, we'll leave, we'll leave a chair for her, like for you. That's, it's kind of menacing. Really. I guess that depends whether it's like an Ulster accent or a Dublin accent. One is slightly friendlier than the other. And again, I'm not going to say which because. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's been a lot of debate about exactly how to mark this historical occasion because it is clearly a very divisive um, moment in in British uh, British history, uh, and clearly not everyone is on on the same side of of the coin. And this has been emphasised by a, a coin. Um, <laughs> the government has launched a new fifty p piece to mark. Uh, Brexit, which has caused even more division. I mean, this is the state. This is the state we have become as a nation. That the launching of a coin has managed to make people angry. Not about, n- not just about the fact that it's you know a, a coin marking a divisive moment, but the punctuation on the coin. The words on the Brexit fifty p say peace, comma prosperity and friendship with all nations. And now. Instantly, I think, well, this is just a charming memento of the things we've enjoyed for the past 47 <laughs> years. And it even gives 30th, uh, even gives 31st of January 2020, the date of death, uh, is also marked on it, a lovely gesture, to give us Ramoniac something to look uh, look back fondly on in our in our wallet. Do you know the etymology of the word wallet, by the way? No. Uh, small, small wall, a, w- a wallet. People used to carry their money in brick pouches. Um <laughs> You're a terrible human being, Andy, and I'm glad that your country's going to fail. So the dispute is over the lack of what is called an Oxford comma uh, after the word prosperity. So uh, many people say it should be peace, comma, prosperity, comma, and friendship with all nations for um, the the sake of accuracy or pedantry or both. Um, I I mean, of course, the most important part of Brexit and, in fact, all British events is the post hoc commemorative coin. And as the the pound plummets, we want to know if it has a comma on it or not. (laughs) I mean, only the British could be staring down the barrel of an economic crisis and go, but what about that comma? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's an infinitesimal addition to the weight of the coin. And when we start having to weigh them by the value of the metal in them again, that's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. The Oxford commas, incidentally, were also a short-lived and extremely unsuccessful NFL franchise franchise in the 1930s. <laughs> uh, their precisely punctuated playbook pr- proving no match for the physicality and, and athleticism of the America-based uh, teams. So, And uh, shouldn't be confused with the Oxford coma, which is what happens once you get to be a Don <laughs> and you just sit at the <laughs> high table. Wondering where it's all gone. <laughs> um, but it's appropriate to have a coin to mark our departure from the EU, a large production run of something that is increasingly obsolete and uh, largely not used by the younger generation. Seems entirely appropriate. Uh, the font as well, the font on the, uh, the Brexit 50p, uh, is really laying our national cards on the table. That is properly 18th century. There are serifs flying around all over the shop. I thought it was Elvish. Elvish? Yeah. Right. It's uh, Which is the fourth language of New Zealand. Right. <laughs> that sounds like this is weird. Why have they put it in New Zealand? I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of unnecessary... Well, that's why they've used the... Yeah. Fi- I mean, the stupidest thing is, the reason it's a 50p, they can say everything they want. It's because they couldn't fit the text on any of the other coins. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I mean, they could have just had, you know, a 10p with fingers crossed written on it. Or, uh, I reckon they should have just done, like, a, you know, the two fingers going yeah. up. Well, I mean, anything, whatever whatever works. F-U-E-U, that's all they need to print there. So where should the comma, should the comma have gone after prosperity, after friendship? Uh, does the with all nations mean just friendship with all nations or peace and prosperity with all nations? Or you can see the, the confusion. I mean, it's not a huge deal because there are other punctuational qu- queries. There's no full stop at the end. There are no ironic quote marks around peace, prosperity, friendship, all and nations. That's a, a, And an asterisk is missing um, well, after you know, all nations uh, to say all nations may exclude terrorist states, commercial rivals, convenient scapegoats, Argentina and anyone who beats us <laughs> at football. 
friendship conditional on people from all nations not coming over here and taking our jobs. So that, that was missing too. The lack of a full stop is a very important thing. In modern grammar, a full stop in a text is a sign of passive aggression. Is it? Yes, so you right. need to leave that, that open. It's like the open arms of the sentence, right. allowing somebody to respond. But does that come from Hemingway? Because he wrote very short sentences, isn't he? <laughs> Pretty passive-aggressive. I don't yes. know if Hemingway was known for being passive-aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> he was just aggressive-aggressive. Also, uh, they spelt P's wrong. There we go. Boom! <laughs> Chris has now been fully assimilated. You, I mean, we should have given you a microphone, Chris. Don't need one. Chris Random. actually canvassed all three of us to go, is no one going to mention peas? Is no one going to mention peas? <laughs> Boom. No, it's obviously uh, it's a 50p coin because that's how much the pound will be worth post-Brexit, won't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know, what is, what is money? <laughs> you know, it's just a state of mind, isn't it? Uh, there's been other Brexit merch. Uh, the Conservative Party uh, has issued a tea towel uh, with the words, got Brexit done, <laughs> on... An expression that, in three inelegant words, packs in an ocean of delusion, a Kalahari of arrogance, and an absolute Caucasus of presumption. Um, it's given the date in Latin, good British Latin, with <laughs> traditional <laughs> British Roman numerals. And it appears to have been designed by a drunken six-year-old who's never used any form of computer software before. Uh, it, it is inelegant, certainly, uh, <laughs> as uh, tea towels go. Uh, the, uh, the Boris Johnson surrounded by what appear to be giant weeds that are about to constrict the life out of everything in their path, which that may again be appropriate. Um, maybe missing a comma as well uh, between Brexit and done. Got Brexit done as a nation. We are now officially done. And tea towels, I think that's an appropriate way to commemorate uh, Brexit. Um, because they because will, everyone's going to have to get jobs as dishwashers? Uh, uh, possibly that. On the side? Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, because they will gradually fade. They'll get frayed around the edges. Possibly end up being slightly burned from being left dangling over a gas uh, gas hob. Uh, used to mop up unsightly spillages and then left to hang reproachfully. A grimy, frittered echo of a distant, hazily remembered <laughs> moment now sinking into the swamp of history. Like all tea towels. <laughs> Uh, and also, the best thing about this was that they produced a whole range of Got Brexit Done merch. Um, I don't think there could be a more annoying phrase than Get Brexit Done, but Got Brexit Done, I think, is even more uh, irritating. Um, just on a pure li linguistic um, ugliness a basis. Uh, it notes, please note, the delivery of our Got Brexit Done collection will begin on the 10th of February. LAUGHTER <laughs> so, I mean, it's they're now being satirised by the whole process being satirised by a tea towel. We are officially redundant. The virus news now, and we're all going to die. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Are we, still on, are we still on Brexit news, or are we <laughs> we moved Brexit. on to it? We will live forever spiritually, <laughs> thanks to Brexit. Uh, James, you are the Bugle's uh, infectious diseases correspondent. Uh, yes. Well, look, it's um, an infectious news. Yep. Uh, there is a, a virus coming out of China at the moment uh, known as the Wuhan uh, coronavirus, uh, which are two things that you often say when drunk, Wuhan and corona. <laughs> uh, it's uh, all jokes aside, people are dying. Um, not British people, so people over here haven't been uh, that concerned yet. Uh, but uh, there are 7,700 cases confirmed at the moment, uh, and more than 170 people have managed to die. However, 
there is a lot going on. Uh, there has been in Australia they have managed to reproduce the virus, uh, which just proves that if it can kill you, Australia can make it. <laughs> uh, and the richest man in China has uh, put a hundred million yuan uh, into. Uh, finding a cure for it,、uh, which is just proof that billionaires can actually finance cures without having to make the cure about themselves. <laughs> If you're listening, Elon Musk. Yeah, I, I feel like everyone's worried about this, and I'm not quite sure how worried we should be. But I am literally wearing a face mask as we speak—not a medical grade face mask, just a paper cut out of a tiger to frighten the virus away from my soft tissues. <laughs> but. Uh, so、there seems to be a lot of panic, particularly in America, where there have been calls to quote nuke China. I think that's not as much to do with the virus. I think <laughs> that's just what happens when your president gets impeached and you're looking for some sort of out. <laughs> well, specifically, a plane that was arriving back、uh, with expats uh, from uh, from. Wuhan, sorry, with expats from from Wuhan on this plane was、uh, subject to calls for shooting it out of the sky. Yeah, which、uh, is sane. I think we can all. Agree. It's. I, I would rather shoot a plane out of the sky than wash my hands. Really. <laughs> uh, strangely, very quiet from the anti-vax community, which、right. I have to say, as a Samoan, is a little bit annoying. I'm like, <laughs> like, where are you guys? Where's your little calls for vitamin A? I'm like, oh come, on, just have some vitamin A, guys. It's just a virus. You don't need to find a vaccine. Have some vitamin A. The A stands for ambivalent. <laughs> I mean, realistically. When you say how worried should we be, these things never turn out quite as bad on a global scale as the doomsayers predict. And whilst they may leave tragedy and suffering behind them, eventually there will just be a pinprick in the history books as humanity continues its triumphant march of progress. Hang on, it says here the World Indoor Athletics Championships has been postponed because of the virus. <laughs> Holy shit! Sports is being affected. This is the biggest crisis in the universe since the medium-sized bang got very out of hand all those years ago and had to be rebranded. Sport. Is being virused off. I'm not at all happy about this. Well, no, nobody's happy. Particularly people who are travelling back from China. There's various states of quarantine. Britons are being、uh, faced with quarantine if they're coming back from China, particularly the Wuhan province. But Australia is going to be reusing some of its sweet immigration properties <laughs>、uh, to quarantine people up on an island that they specifically did for for boat people. So it's boat people or coughing people. <laughs> It's yeah, stuck it's, forever on an island. It's one of those amazing things where、uh, people were going, "Oh man, what are we going to do with all these people that we kind of want to come into the country, but we need to put them somewhere?" And Australia's like, "Guys, we have got this. <laughs> got we this. have been prepping for decades. We have spent way too much money on the facilities." <laughs> and New Zealand's in on this too. And New Zealand was like, "Are we?" <laughs> Which is how you how you say sure in Kiwi. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Australia never really misses out on an opportunity to lock people up on an island. I mean, it? we love something deep in its national. It's part、psyche. of the national psyche because that's what we are.、Yeah. We were locked up on an island. That is our identity. That is Australia. Australia is a prison island, and if we can help share our national spirit, it's that. It's, it's Latin for lock up island, isn't it? <laughs> Australia is Latin for lock up island. A lot of people don't know that. They think it's Great Southern Land. It's not. It's Great Prison.、Uh, in In fact, the the Australian government has just announced that with the state of the virus outbreak, they have officially upgraded Australia's、uh, status to some worries from <laughs> no worries.、Um, and and to put this in, I mean, there are you know to 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 show the scale of this this outbreak, Starbucks has had to temporarily close two thousand stores in in China. And you think when the global coffee industry is being 
adversely affect. I mean, this is essentially when the what, global coffee industry comes up against the global coughing industry. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean, this is what why we exist as a species, isn't it? I mean, we've gone through various phases as a species of you know what is the purpose of our existence? Is it you know to to do honour to the great glory of of God, or or is it just to keep the global coffee industry going? <laughs> but at the moment, that's that's what we've homed in on. Also, respectfully, Starbucks, yep. like, if you ask me what's going to kill me quicker, coronavirus or a pumpkin latte, <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're really taking the moral high ground here, Starbucks, by closing 2,000 stores. Animal fashion news now. Um, Alice, you are the Bugle's uh, animal uh, clothing correspondent, and uh, I understand Australia's having uh, a slight issue with... Um, Mittens for koalas. Yes, indeed, Andy. I am the animal fashion correspondent, and when it's not about rhinos uh, in rhinestones, it's about mittens on koalas. Apparently, beautiful, lovely people all around the world have been sending aeroplanes full of handmade goods and medical supplies to help animals injured in the Australian wildfires. We've lost more than a billion animals in Australia and there's plenty of uh, heart-wrenching viral images online of, of koalas with burned paws and, you know, fewer, fewer heart-wrenching images of crocodiles with burned snouts, but they're less <laughs> photogenic. Um, but ca- Canadian volunteers alone sent six aeroplanes full of handmade mittens, uh, which nobody needs. And, in fact, the incredible cascade of goodwill has ended up with taking up a lot of the resources on the ground in sorting and figuring out how useless they actually are. So uh, they've been kindly asked by various groups to calm the f*** down. And <laughs> it's it's and a metaphor for the planet, isn't it? We've got this huge outpouring of well-meaning, beneficent generosity that has proved to be practically useless. And yet a few absolute c- seem to get an inordinate <laughs> amount of shit done. Well, I hear what you're saying, Andy, and you're right. It is Megan and Harry's fault. I mean, obviously, <laughs> this never happened before they moved to Canada. Uh, yeah. but, but also, I think we, we can all agree now that this is proof that there is way too much weed in, in Canada. <laughs> right. Like you, that's, that is too much weed and whiskey combining with maple syrup to go, man, we got we to gotta knit some koalas and mittens, man. They burned off our little fur. We got to get them some mittens. <laughs> Uh, koala Mittens, incidentally, also a woman who received unsolicited sexual attention from Donald Trump in the 1980s. Um, well, people are apparently suspicious about sending cash to charities, which is the thing that they actually need on the ground. Uh, so they would rather well, send... What's a koala going to spend cash on? Well, I think you feel less morally corrupt if someone misuses your mittens than if somebody misuses right. your dollars. So really, they're basically but the So the cash isn't going direct to the koalas. <laughs> the koala's on the corner just going, you want to buy some mittens, man? <laughs> <laughs> I might have got some mittens here. I mean, you don't... It's mittens in Australia, for God's sake, world. <laughs> like, it's Australia. <laughs> no one takes mittens. People in Australia don't have mittens. <laughs> uh, Juanita Rilling, who's the former director of the Centre of International Disaster Information in the US, said, uh, it's a beautiful thing that people just want to help, but there's an old proverb that says, desire without knowledge is not good. And this is a case of desire without knowledge is true of, of mittens and boners the world round. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, I mean, it's not the most effective chat-up line, I wouldn't have thought. Um, Dr. Rachel Tarlington, an associate professor in veterinary cellular microbiology, um, no less, said the problem with koala mittens is that the koalas still need their claws and paws to be able to feed themselves and climb trees. 
It's heartbreaking, this story. <laughs> it's so heartbreaking. What they want is fingerless gloves. Right. All Don't, this yeah. just terribly Come misapplied on. goodwill. They've Come gone. on, Canada, put some effort in. I know fingerless gloves are a bit harder <laughs> to knit, but <laughs> than the mitten. Apparently Australia is planning to retaliate by sending earmuffs for mooses. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that would be quite... I mean, you could probably... You, know, could, you could make a sail to fit on the moose's antlers. A moose sail. Yeah. A moose a moosebrella to keep them keep him dry, mate, during yeah. during the rains. Well, I mean, with global global um, warming happening and you know, animals losing their natural habitats, if if you could turn a moose's antlers into a functioning sail and give them little wheeled carts, they could move around Canada much more quickly to find pasture. <laughs> there, there was a call in New Zealand. I think, I think I have to put my hand up and say this isn't the stupidest thing because there was a call in New Zealand to relocate the koalas to New Zealand. Right. <laughs> but only the koalas. <laughs> there was like thousands of people signed a petition and gave it to the Prime Minister to send over there and who was like, oh, I think we'll just send over firefighters, guys, to be honest. <laughs> they were like, yeah, now bring the koalas here because what could happen when you introduce... <laughs> A non-native species. And uh, well, I mean, possums worked out really well in New Zealand. <laughs> How many possums? There's, there's, uh, the, the, I think I've been to New Zealand three times, and basically the lead item on the news is always possums. There are so many possums in New Zealand that we actually put armour on them and used them as extras in the Law of the Rings <laughs> television series coming up. Um, possums are the cane toads of New Zealand. Absolutely. And, I think, and koalas could get there too. <laughs> And, of course, there were people who were New Zealanders in internment camps going, what, we've got to dress up like koalas now? Is that how we get home? <laughs> Huawei news now. And um, a huge controversy here in Britain over the deal uh, struck by the British government to allow uh, Huawei, the Chinese uh, company, to help build the infrastructure for Britain's 5G mobile network despite the protestations of the uh, the USA um, it's uh, quite a complicated story and it does raise the question you know why why are we in Britain having to depend on on Huawei the the Chinese company why are there no British firms who can Brex construct our new 5g infrastructure which of course will be the last iteration of the internet before it becomes so fast that it is faster than time and therefore 6g will have built itself way before we can even get around to commissioning it. But why are there no British artisan, handcrafted, boutique mobile internet infrastructure infrastructure manufacturers who can keep this who can keep this in house? We're having to we're having to trust the uh, the Chinese, despite the fact that the government has described Huawei as a high risk vendor, but has basically said, yeah, it'll probably be all right. I mean, statistically, most lion tamers don't get eaten. Most stuntmen and stuntwomen live to a ripe old age, and most astronauts make it back in one piece and carve out a lucrative speaking career. So what is there to worry about? Yeah, I mean, it's like saying most lion tamers don't get eaten, let's build our house out of lions. <laughs> There's a lot of advice and pressure from the US that's come through and that we should, that the UK should block the firm for security reasons. Apparently, they're not very good at uh, keeping your secrets. And given that we'll, with the internet, be entrusting that infrastructure with literally everyone's secrets, perhaps it's such a bad idea. Um but uh, Stephanie Tura, Stefan Terral from IHS Market said, I think it's a pragmatic decision that brings stability and continuity in the 5G ecosystem uh, before taking a million dollars in hush money <laughs> <laughs> from an unknown source. It's, 
It's such an interesting thing. It just proves my ongoing hypothesis that we will trade literally everything for a small piece of um, speed in our Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> just you have to think about what what fast internet is propping up. Think of all of the terrible relationships that continue for decades just because you both like the same show on Netflix. It, this is you know this is the core of our society that we need to keep running. Yeah, and you know it's. Uh... You've only got so much time to wank during a day. Right. <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Right. And you know, if you've and got the Chinese a, are ex- facilitating, they're expanding that time by uh, making the internet faster. Exactly. I mean, the 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 more the faster the porn loads, the more right. you can get on with making breakfast. Okay. I mean, that's, that's those an interesting peas aren't going to cook themselves, mate. I mean, that was very much the subtext of what Boris Johnson has been saying on this on this deal, just from you know, looking at his. I mean, no face. one thinks Boris Johnson wants faster internet to watch Netflix, respectively. Mm-hmm. No. no one thinks he's watching The Crown. He thinks <laughs> The Crown is real. He's he's waiting for Brian Cox to be cast as him <laughs> in The Crown. I'm uh, I'm just worried. This is when we've seen it all. But history keeps repeating on itself. That's what we keep <laughs> we keep seeing in Britain. And this is just like the Prussian bread carrier pigeon scandal all over again from the 19th century. I don't like where it's going. I think it's important that people know that it's not because it's China. It is because of the spying. Like in Canada, the head <laughs> of Huawei is like currently in on trial for genuine spying like it's not like people like oh because of china and this but no the the company itself is being investigated internationally (laughs) for spying this is the equivalent of buying your local groceries from the local drug dealer (laughs) because they've got the best prices well they say those who have don't remember their history are doomed to repeat it but the 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 corollary of course is those who do remember their history are doomed to repeat themselves yep and those who are hacking into people's internet history can know exactly what's about to be repeated <laughs> and exploit that knowledge. I love how we all live with the delusion that deleting our history means it's deleted. I like that that's the psychological delusion yeah. that Western society has gone with. Well, it's worked in our education system, essentially. Oh, yes. How it's we can the live te- ourselves. It's the tech equivalent of when a baby offers you a mouthful of wet food and you pretend to eat it, but it just <laughs> disappears. <laughs> Well, that draws us towards the end of this week's uh, Brexit special bugle. Um, an emotional time for Britain, but uh, and yeah, for our well, our European partners as well. All those countries with whom we've worked over the years in the European Union. But um, you know, it, it's a tough time for our continent. But Europe, Europe will be back. That don't Croatia. <laughs> Europe will be back, and. Um, I mean, it all goes back, the whole Brexit thing, to, to David Cameron, who was so obsessed with the uh, the economic side of things. He consulted about the economic prospects, he consulted about the political implications, but he forgot to worry about what the people of Britain actually thought. He didn't check Ray Public. Andy, uh, I've been puking for two days and this is the worst I've felt. Uh, and Cameron was surprised with the result. He said, I checked the latest poll and it was OK. But there must have been a late, last-minute swing to Brexit. A late veer. Late, late veer. Anyway. Oh. So, um, uh, he's, uh, and, and Cameron, he's, he said in his autobiography, he felt betrayed by Boris Johnson, by Michael Gove. And they, they used to be in, uh, in the same Campanology Society, Cameron and Gove, so he was <laughs> betrayed by his bell chum. Oh. Um, but, uh, but it's, and it's true all the way through, through the debate ever since. Jeremy Corbyn is leader, you know, in, in debates, his, uh, his points that he was trying to make were like the punches of an armless boxer. He never lands. Um, <laughs> In the end, uh, he lost, and those of us on the Remain side were left, but Italy, but Italy disappointed. 
I've been thinking to myself, will this pain ever go away? And uh, to be honest, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I feel like the captain of the Titanic. That, uh, you know, he too had bad luck, Sunberg got in the way, <laughs> and uh, down he went. But, um, but anyway, a friend of mine came around to see me uh, to see how I'm coping with the impending Brexit. And he said, uh, you look awful, Andy. You OK? You OK? <laughs> no, I'm not OK. Hey, you look like you haven't been eating, he said to me. I said, well, not hungry. Uh, drink, I'm going to have a sniffer of port. You, gallons of it, please. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I liked a bit Italy. I, want to, uh, I wanted to write a farewell song for Europe, but I, I was too upset, my friend said, so don't worry. Well, I'll get one of a pair of New Zealand singer-songwriters from the band Crowded House to do it. Finlandle it. <laughs> fin, Finlandle it. I'm so sorry, New Zealand. I apologise. Anyway. On behalf of my friend and his industrial strength crowbar. <laughs> so it's uh, it's been been a tough time and, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, what, what are we going to do with, we're going to have to get rid of, start, start getting rid of national assets and uh, even the ageing footballer, Ro- Rooney, uh, will we'll have to leave Wayne here. Literally. Oh. No. <laughs> um, you know, a Scottish friend of mine, huge fan of the European Union, uh, spends most of his time now in a little shed in his garden. He calls it Isweden. <laughs> um, and it's just a very tough issue in Scotland. Gordon Brown, former Prime Minister, well, his old buddy Blair rang him up about it. He said, Hi, Gord, is Tony here? Um, uh, I'd uh, give your special, uh, special shed only four marks out of ten. Wow, replied Gordon Brown. That's a pretty pretty low Denmark. Oh, <laughs> and it's not just me that thinks it said Tony Blair. Uh, Alistair Darling, our former colleague too, he agrees with me. <laughs> well, it's not my fault," said Gordon Brown. "My Hoover's getting really old and it doesn't function properly. It takes me ages to do the floor." And Blair replied, "You've got a Slovak." Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyway, my my uh, my grandmother worries about uh, all the. Uh, Immigrant immigrants getting NHS treatment before her, especially with her it's infected so uh, leg joint, her, her germy knee. Uh, anyway, she went to the uh, shopping mall to get some medicine um, for her uh, for her bone problem, her osteoporosis. <laughs> and uh, she had, I mean, it's a huge generational gap. It's not good, not good for, for for kids. My kids know that's uh, better for the older generation. It's good for grandparents, good for uncles, for aunts. <laughs> No. And we've become a very angry, sea-surrounded nation and an Ireland. Are um, you doing all of them? I'm just go. Googling yep. how many countries are in oh, Europe. Sorry, just one to go. Um, <laughs> two to go. Three to go. Uh, <laughs> but, and, and you can't understand people being worried about immigration, obsessed that we don't have the space. The whole campaign was uh, afflicted by a real Romania. <laughs> and uh, I think we can regret now on the remains how we played two cagey campaign. We played it safe like a snooker player, afraid of taking a risky long pot and always trying to get the cue ball back to the bulk area. Bulk, bulk area. <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry. Once, once it started, I, I couldn't stop the urge. I can't cypress it. Cypress it. Cypress, yeah, cypress yeah it. there it is. Right. Oh, We're all done now. Well, there can be no more suitable way to, to mark this occasion. Where do I go to get coronavirus? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We're done in more ways than one. Let's have the plug. Thank you for listening, uh, Buglers. Uh, Alice, tell people about uh, The Last Post in case they've not yet... Uh... Uh, the Last Post is oh. a daily satirical news podcast set in an alternate universe. So that is something that you can listen to every day. It's a short podcast, and uh, I think she's very good, uh, the host of it, who <laughs> sounds a lot like me. Also, uh, my solo shows are uh, now on sale for Melbourne, Sydney, and um, Perth. It, that, that, that's... 
And the more tickets you buy now, the more likely I am to write it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a new angle in comedy. <laughs> preemptive bribing of an audience. <laughs> oh, you want to see a good show? Well, you'd better buy a ticket. Yeah. It's a premium James, model. Anything to uh, alert our listeners to? Uh, I've just got a third season of my podcast, Eating Fried Chicken in a Shower. Uh, I mean, I don't, That's one of the greatest podcasts. <laughs> I don't. I don't know who we're going to get in the shower for this one yet. Um, although a lot of people have been suggesting uh, the All Blacks after last year's uh, Rugby World Cup defeat, yeah. and the Black Caps after. La- I think they just want me to ask New Zealanders what it's like to lose. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Black Caps, the, the New Zealand New Zealand cricket team. Who you, you may remember uh, lost the uh, the World Cup final. <laughs> Uh, last year, yeah, it's a difficult draw, mate. After, it's a difficult draw. Uh, her, her, heroically not losing either the game or the tiebreak, <laughs> but still managing to lose. It's amazing, really. What do you think about it? Yeah, it's um, it's it's yeah, it's and gone down again. Happened again this week. Yeah, I'm being told to wrap, wrap this up. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds good. This yeah. sounds, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what you're talking about, mate. I don't even what's cricket. Thank you for listening, Buglers. Until next week, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.